Welcome to episode 21 of the Live, Lift, Love podcast, PEDs, Positive Enriching Discussions. I'm your host, Clifford Janice. Today's episode is titled, Discovering Angles. You can find me on IG at Gold's Conditioning. You can find me on Twitter at Gold's Condition. And you can listen to the Live, Lift, Love podcast on SoundCloud, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Be sure to like, subscribe, share, and if you visit the Live Lift Love podcast on the Gold's Conditional website, please be sure to leave a comment. Back again, kind of just flowing, no specific theme um, in relation to everything going on, but just, again, kind of sticking to the concept of just finding interesting people to have new dialogue and perspectives with. My guest today is a new friend from the, maybe within the past four or five years. Gonna introduce her now. Hey, Tatiana. Hello. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. <laughs> uh, how's your day been? It's okay. Working from home today, so it's not too crazy. How often have you been working from home lately? So I work from home probably every other week uh, since March. So I'll be on site for work and then off site for a week and then just a back and forth thing. Do you like you sound like it sounds like you hate it? <laughs> but I mean, I'll, I'll ask you. How do you feel about that? I feel like I would be more comfortable just completely working from home. You know, at this point because of the uh, global pandemic. But since I can't, I will take what I can get. And it's been, you know, it's not as restful as you would think working from home, at least on my end, because I'm someone that's always physically had to go into a job. But like not having to, you know, put on a mask to get to work is is pretty cool. And I can wear house shoes, so. <laughs> or no shoes, right? Or no shoes. <laughs> it's, it's the summertime. Let, let your feet breathe a little bit, right? Yeah. <laughs> so are they, are they doing that for, for everyone where you work? Like, do you alternate some people off this week, but then they go in, not off, some people go in this week while another group stays yeah. home? Yeah, pretty much. So it's like I have five, I have four coworkers and we'll have three people on site and then two people are off site. And then every week it'll change um, until they can figure out what the plan is going to be permanently going forward. What's and what's their? I mean, is there a reason why they do off off on? Like, what what are they? What do you think they're trying to do? Just like condition you to not get too comfortable? Yes, that, and I <laughs> think it's a thing where it's like we don't want you to get too comfortable working from home because that's not what you were hired for. But you right. know, you have to go with the flow of you know the world. So, what's been the biggest challenge for you working from home? Biggest challenge working from home is that I was absolutely not prepared at all to work from home. So it was a like mad scramble to get a, a Chromebook to find a space to like work where I can work and not get distracted. But like I've never had a job where I've had to work from home. So like just making myself my own schedule so that I can stay focused has been like the biggest thing. But I feel like I've gotten the hang of it now, but you know, who knows what's going to happen next week. Maybe they'll just be like, no more, no more working from home. Just come directly into the office. Yeah. It, I mean, even for me, like I've been working from home since 2012. Um, it's, 
sometimes you just hit or miss. Like you just don't have the, you're just not in the headspace because yeah, definitely home just, you know, it gives you that warm, comforting feeling of just wanting to lay down and do nothing right. for the whole day. Um, but you know, it's not realistic, you know, we're, we're adults. We have, we, we got to do stuff yeah. for some reason. <laughs> I think it would probably be better for me if I actually had like a, like a, a home office. Like if I had a desk with an actual desktop instead of a Chromebook and that kind of setup, then it would be better. But like just, you know, sitting on the sofa with the a little Chromebook, Chromebook is like, it could be very distracting. But I'm, yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting a, I'm finally getting a, you know, a grasp on it. Good, good. I've been, I think, mo- I mean, mostly f- because of this pandemic, I've been, I feel like I've, I've been working a lot more. So my place has always kind of been the the couch in front of the TV, and in the past. You know, I'd have background TV mm-hmm. playing while, while I work, but then I just kind of get got out of that headspace because a lot of the work I'm doing now requires me to kind of focus and right. be creative and think. And I've just kind of been hopping, hopping around. So like sometimes I'll sit out in the balcony, sometimes I'll sit in the uh, the bedroom mm-hmm. and just try to not be in a room with the television. And it, it it's helped a lot, honestly. <laughs> so, you know, who would have thought it would it would take take me all these years to realize. It's just don't TV. sit and right. Just don't sit in front of it. Don't be aware of it, and you won't. You won't feel. Uh, you won't have that desire to cave in and not do work. Yeah, like it's, you're better than me because I'll like I'll come in to the living room and I'm like, all right, it's eight thirty. What can I put on the TV for background? And I'm like, all right, like guess we'll watch Goosebumps today as I like work <laughs> on the laptop. <laughs> Is it? It's a Goosebumps TV show. Yeah, the Goosebumps. Uh, they like. The Goosebumps TV show that used to come on when I was like a kid, they put it on Netflix. So I'll just like play it in the ah, back. Okay. And it's it's not particularly that good, but, you know, memories. It's, yeah, it's nostalgic. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, th- I'm thinking about the books now and the, the books weren't that good either. But for for their time and for that age, you know, it was fun and interesting yeah. literature. So I, I get it, it. It really depends, too, on what book. Like if it was Arl Stein and it was like the slappy puppet thing anything that has to do with any kind of like doll coming to life it has pushed me into like a state of sheer terror so i won't say they weren't that good but those books used to (laughs) scare the hell out of me i I can't really i remember the puppet one and the one book that stands out to me the most i don't remember the it might have been an amusement park book and i think it was your choose choose your own adventure and i think it was the first time i had like a choose your own adventure book where you know you go left or right in the funhouse mirror, then you jump to like page eighty six. Yeah. Then you do something. Yeah, that's that's the that's the one the one book from Goosebumps that stands out to me the most. They had some like creepy ones with the choose your own adventure. They had the ones where like they were aliens, kids going to camp, ghosts, haunted like theaters, but like all the kids are twelve and it's like it's murdered children. So that scares me always. But yeah, Goosebumps murder is- children. Yeah, you know. Children, <laughs> children that are murdered. <laughs> I, I don't remember. That. I don't remember that at all. Wow. Okay. Maybe dead. Maybe not murdered. Okay. More like freak accident and then died. Got it. Yeah. What What do you think is the adult equivalent to Goosebumps now? Uh, this is just kind of uh, came to mind now. Like it'd, it'd be fun to have like a small, easily digestible book series that's just different, or is it just like podcasts that we're, we're kind of consuming now? I think, think it's it's probably I feel like people really still love um Stephen King. 
So I feel like that's something that is like the equivalent. So like when you're a kid, you read R.L. Stein, and then you get older and you read Stephen King. I like that. And yeah. now it's like, it's it's even cooler now because his, his son writes horror books, Joe Hill. And like, you know, it's kind of the same feeling, but it's different. So I would say like Stephen King, like Dean Koontz, Clive Barker, like that's what you read when you've graduated from like goosebumps to like fear street (laughs) to then you're like, all right, I'm an adult. I got to read. Apparently I've got to read these adult books. So let's go with like Stephen King. I don't think I've ever read a Stephen King book. Not one. I don't think not one. Uh, I'll compile a list. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, so let's, let's transition into, into you. Um, so to start, you know, I'd just like to talk about, you, your experience growing up, where you're from, and, you know, kind of transition to present day. Okay. I'm, all right. So I'm like, I'm, I am 33 years old. I'm from Harlem. Um, I grew up in probably one of the more, I mean, probably considered dangerous, like, projects. Um, I grew up in the Polo Grounds, and I pretty oh, much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You've heard of the Polo Grounds? <laughs> I, I've, I've heard, I've heard. I, I, I know it all. I know you know, it all. You're like, I know, I, I've heard of the Polo Grounds, which is yeah. very funny because I, I remember one time telling like um, this this white girl that I worked with at Barnes & Noble, because I used to work at a bookstore, that I was from Polo Grounds. And she was like, you're from the Polo Grounds? And I was like, how did you even hear about this? This is so crazy. But um, I grew up in the Polo Grounds. Um, and I have one sister, you know, grew up with my mom and dad, graduated from Frederick Douglass Academy. And then I did a year at St. John's University where I wanted to major in communication arts. And then I left, I worked for a very long time at Barnes and Noble as a bookseller and then went back to school because I wanted to do film at City College and then realized maybe I don't want to do film and then worked for like nonprofit organizations that, you know, were in place to benefit like young moms and kind of like spent a long time trying to like figure out what my next steps were, what job did I want? And then ended up working in social work, um, pretty much being like the person that you go to to help you organize a plan for someone that's like very sick and being discharged from the hospital and actually enjoy it a lot more than I thought I would. And so now I've been doing that for like almost two years and just like trying to maintain like this job, but also be someone that gets to like enjoy my hobbies. So if I'm not at work, then I'm like, let's watch all these horror movies or let's go for long walks and take pictures or let's officiate a wedding. Cause those are the things I enjoy doing. So, yeah. That's dope. I mean, not like I've known you for five years. haven't known any of this pretty much. Really? Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think I knew any of this really. Um, yeah. So the backtrack real quick. Mm-hmm. I want to, I guess kind of focus on growing up in a polo grounds. Like how did, how do you, how did you, how did you navigate that? I mean, seeing the chaos and being aware of the chaos, um, how, 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 how do you, how do you survive through that? So I mean, for the most part, so like 
I always think it's like a very interesting thing to say like, oh, second generation from the projects because my parents grew up in those same projects. And so like, I know a lot of people, sometimes they look at it like, you know, oh, you know, it's really dangerous. It's really dangerous. But when you've grown up around it for such a long time, there's like that sense of community where you don't, it doesn't feel like danger to you because you know the people like my elementary school was literally on the same street as the polo grounds. I went to high school that was seven blocks away from where I live and where I grew up. My sister went to school 20 blocks away. You know, my, my parents, they knew the other parents that because they grew up with them. So it was never really like, Oh, this place is so dangerous. But like in hindsight, you're like, okay, yeah, that was probably not, that was probably not good. But I mean, when, when I was like a kid, we were pretty much homebodies. So me and my sister were like window gazers. Like we looked out the window a lot and made up stories and we had each other to kind of like hang out with. And it, it also helped that like my grandma lived in the same building. My cousins lived in another building. My great grandma lived in a different building. My grandpa was down the street. My aunts were always like blocks away. So it's like, you know, it's just one of those things where like your community was always around you. So there was no real sense of like being scared, but like just knowing like, oh, family's over there. Friends are over there. You know, like most of my my friends from elementary school, they grew up in the, the polo grounds too. And if they didn't, when I was in high school, they still grew up like seven blocks away. So yeah, I feel like that's kind of the general misconception about growing up in the projects or yeah. the hood in general. A lot of it, going back to the idea of generational, like, you know, if your parents have a good foundation there, yeah. then they know all the troublemakers because they watched them grow up and, right. you know, they, you know, interacted with them. So you you get that, um, I'll say pass, you get that innate pass where, you know, they won't harass you because that's such and such's daughter, exactly. that's such and such and son. You get that, rather you get that respect, I'll say, you get that respect yeah, being yeah. someone's child and having family. And even if, you know, you might not be the troublemaker. But your cousin might be wild, <laughs> so they'd be like, "Hi, let's chill out." That's a that, that's Steve cousin, you know. Yeah. Let's, let's chill out, you know. Like you, you, affiliation is a lot. Affiliation yeah. is a lot from in, in that type of environment. Affiliation but, will absolutely keep you safe in the pool. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like like I grew up um in, in Flatbush in Brooklyn, and like, I lived on a, a square block, and mm-hmm. surrounding the block was the projects. We were like the outskirts, right? Um, so the only time we had problems with other people were from people from the projects when they came to our area or when we went to their area. Like exactly. it's, it's, it's very much just blocked off and blocked area. Like, like it, it of course there's tension every now and then right. but for the most part, like everybody, everyone's cool. You know, we'll have, we'll have our issues and, and amongst each other, but the only real tension is when people come to violate your block and your, your area. Yeah. Right. Exactly. We'll try to like disrespect you in some way, but we, we knew everybody, our parents knew everybody like my, like I said, my cousins were in the next building. I had some like play cousins in the same building. So it was never one of those things where we were like, you know, in fear of anything. And even when, you know, me and my sister would venture out like on different, on other blocks, they catch when like, where y'all from? They're like, oh, we live in the polo grounds. Nobody bothered you. <laughs> right. <laughs> that means something. They don't know who you know, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh um, so let's jump into St. John's. You said uh communicate you wanted to, you were planning to do communications major? 
Yeah, I wanted to do like media communications, I feel, because I, I just really in general have like a, I know a little bit about a lot of stuff. And so like, I feel like growing up and watching like, like commentary on like pop culture, I was like, that's something I want to do. Cause I, I try and keep up with like the movies. I try and keep up with like music. So that's something that I was like, I can do that. So I did that for like a year. And then I was kind of like, I don't think I really like school that much. Like as, as soon as it became like an option and not something that I had to do, I was more like, is this what I want to do? And it wasn't. So I ended up leaving, but, um, and I didn't live on campus. So the commute from the polo grounds to Jamaica Queens. That's all like two hours, (laughs) three hours, three, four times a week at a, with a a. 7am class. I was just like, if I'm going to go back to school, it's got to be like walking distance. And that's what ended up happening. I was like, I live 20 blocks away from city college, so I'll try it there. Do you feel it was the, I guess the the program and the classes you were taking that kind of made you change your mind or was it just like the experience, the commute, the classes just not being interested? Did that kind of dissolve your passion or was it just like, eh, like you said, I don't like school. I don't like this process and having a commute makes it even worse. So I'd rather go, I'd rather go to school that's close and hate it there than hate it for two two hours. Right. Exactly. And it was cheaper because I got, you know, like I got a partial, I got a partial scholarship to go to St. John's university. And then it was like on top of that, the two hour commute. And then I think being so used to knowing everybody around you and then being pulled out of that kind of environment and kind of like thrown into an entirely new environment where you're absolutely responsible for yourself and, and like making new friends and trying to like get a grasp on all these like prerequisite classes you have to take before you can really like delve into the stuff you want to know was like, man, I don't have to do this. So I just, I was like, then I won't do it. So then I, I like left because it was like, you know, when I guess when school for me became an option and I was like, oh, I don't have to do this. I don't have to sit in the classroom and listen to this man talk about like New York history for an hour because I already know this stuff and it also does not interest me. Like I get how it's supposed to like lay the foundation for your, you know, your education, but it just was not, it was just not for me. Totally get that um, that feeling and experience. I mean, I be, be, when I was a kid, my whole like my only focus was being a dentist. Being a dentist, uh, I went to dental hygiene school in Bridgeport for two years, and then when I left, I was like, "This is boring. <laughs> I don't, I, I, this isn't boring." Like my my innate um, base is kind of like communicating and talking with talking to people, right. and I wanted I wanted to find something that would allow me to help people. And dentistry, in its own right, helps people. You know, you help people have a beautiful smile, you right. help them have a healthy mouth, which is pivotal, important in life. Mm-hmm. But the lack of communication when it comes to the actual work, because your hands in their mouth majority of the time. Right. I was like, this this is boring and you know, I'm not good at I'm not good at math. I'm not good at science. So yeah. I'm not gonna and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna force myself to study hard if I know I'm already bad at it. Right. It's gonna change majors. Yeah. Right. Make like, be I'm, real realistic with who I am. Right. Like I don't I'm not gonna do this anymore. I'm gonna step away from it. Cause I had like, right, right. you know, when I was in high school I had teachers that said, 
you know, Tati- I had one specific teacher that would be like, Tatiana, I think that you should go to Hunter College and I think you need to major in chemistry. And I was like, why? Why do you think that? And it wasn't, it, there was no reason really because I took advanced placement chemistry, but not because I wanted to, it's because I had to. And it's like, don't push me to do a thing because you see, you know, because it makes sense to you. Like, push me in a direction where you can see like the potential in me to do better in that. But it wasn't that it was just like, I like chemistry. So you should also like chemistry. I don't. All right. And probably also, you know, you're a young black woman in chemistry, black people need more representation. And right. Yes. And in every right. But, you know, be, be realistic in terms of options. Don't just right. say you should do this because you're good at this and that'll be your end all. Yeah. No, it's, it's not, it's not realistic for life and uh personal growth i feel like especially if you're not you know really passionate about chemistry should you get into it there's certain things i feel like you should be passionate about before you get into it and i think chemistry might be one of those things (laughs) definitely could see that i think i mean i think all of most of the sciences like I, i like science and math on a process level like right. I enjoy, I enjoy lab classes. I enjoy looking at microscopes. I don't want to be tested on it. I don't care about the cell wall or cell summer. Right. I don't care about that. I just want to look at cool stuff and learn cool information and be like, all right, cool. I learned that. I know more about the human body. Right. On, on, on with life. There's no, I don't want to be tested. I don't want to be graded on it. Exactly. I don't want to have to constantly explain like why I know so much about the Rutherford's gold experiment. Cause I don't, I don't, I don't like the Rutherford's gold experiment. Just let's talk about something else. Like, Can you explain the Rutherford's, Rutherford's gold experiment? Because I've never heard about that. Or at least I don't remember. I can barely describe it for you. It's, a, it's something with uh, shooting rays directly at gold and realizing that uh, these lasers or these rays could could penetrate gold or could not penetrate gold. And... I just remember constantly have to talk about it from like grade 10 to 12. And I was just kind of like, I'm over Rutherford. I'm over gold. I'm over Rutherford. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> All right, uh, so let's fast forward. You, you go you go to City College for mm-hmm. film. I go what's, for that, film. what's that experience like for you? So it's another experience where it's like, hey, Tatiana, before you really delve into this film, uh, you need to do these prerequisites so we're going to have you do music class we're going to have you do quilting and it's like what does quilting have to do with film and they were fun classes but it's just like I I feel like I don't grasp or like learn as well as I thought I did in a classroom I feel like with something like film, it needs to be like hands-on. I need to be constantly, you know, talking about it, watching it, like learning, like being Like Dawson's critical. Creek, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly yeah. like Dawson, but less pretentious, you know? Because <laughs> he was so pretentious. What a, what a terrible character. The Live, Lift, Love podcast is brought to you by the Black Excellence Shop. Shop our Black Excellence Calendar and Journal Bundle, 366 Days of Creativity, Motivation, and Spirituality, and shop our Black Excellence Daily app for Android and iOS, blackexcellencedaily.com. Yes, so what, what was the purpose of, of quilting? And they chose your prerequisites for you? I won't even lie to you and say that 
you know, I chose the class or anything like that. It was literally, I waited too long because I, because I just waited too long. And then it was like, what classes are left that I have to sign up for? And quilting was one. It was like a double class where with one class, you're, you're literally in a classroom learning about the history of quilting. And then in the second class, there was like this, this, like, like this quilting woman who was like known for her quilting, who taught us how to quilt. And so we learned how to quilt. And then uh, I, there was how many people were in the class? Maybe like 10 people in the class. We learned how to quilt. And then they take the quilt that we made and they hang it up in a museum in Harlem. And it was strange. It was an informative class, but you know, I didn't want to be in it. So is your part of the quilt still in a museum in Harlem? It might be. It's been that, some time since. That's dope, though. Do you remember what you, what you quilted? Um, Something like, you know, the Lakers colors, I'm pretty sure, was like purple and gold. <laughs> okay. Not specifically because of the Lakers. I just remember a lot of purple and gold. And it was like 11 years ago. And I, I don't remember what museum. It was a very small museum in Harlem near like 125th street. But I'm sure it's probably still there. It was a beautiful quilt. I wish I had just, pictures. Just the process of getting to that point wasn't, wasn't really worth it. it. I mean, it taught me patience. Okay. <laughs> it taught me a lot of patience. Do you and know it, how to quilt now? I do know how to quilt now. It also taught me that no matter, I feel like sometimes I'm a bit of a procrastinator that you can't put, pro- you can't procrastinate quilting. You can't have a quilting class and think that you're going to, you know, quilt a little bit before class and your teacher won't notice. She'll notice. She'll know. Yeah. You wait too long. Win- winter's here and now you're cold. <laughs> and that's exactly. Not right. You're cold. You gotta, or if you she's gotta. like, you, each one of you has to do a patch. Like we have to do a patch. You can't just make a patch before class. You just can't do it. You, especially as a novice, you know, you're just learning. Right, right. You think you're going to walk into a classroom with a patch. That you made, like, here's my patch. She's going to know. She knows. She should know, right? She's, she's, she better know. She's a professional. Right? She better know. <laughs> <laughs> so what was, what was um, some of the nonprofit work you were doing? You said you were doing it to assist young moms? Yeah. You know, I worked, what type of capacity? I worked uh, while I was still working at uh, Barnes & Noble. I decided that I no longer wanted to do that. And I felt like I could get into working in maybe a nonprofit that benefited like young black women. And I did it through a program, which was more like um, an apprenticeship and worked. It was called Brooklyn Young Mothers Collective. I'm not sure if they're still around, but I worked there as a program associate where I pretty much uh, counseled girls, tried to find any sort of like service or program that could benefit them so that it just in general made their lives easier. Uh, even if it was just like, oh, I found these jobs, uh, always having like um, job applications on hand, always, you know, doing workshops, uh, providing them with any kind of service. We take donations from people in the neighborhood and if they had like baby stuff or toys so that if these girls didn't have that stuff or they needed some kind of support system, they could always just like walk in to the program and come in and and talk. And it served girls from ages 12 to 21 
predominantly girls in the foster care system and just trying to get them as much support as possible to make life easier in any way, shape or form. And it, I did that for maybe a year and a half. And it was like one of my favorite jobs I've ever had because there was just like so many girls that all they need is like support, like a good support system to do, to just do better. And that program helped to give them that. So. Right. It's what we all kind of need, right? We all, we all need resources. We all need guidance. We all need um, support and, the awareness that someone cares and someone's going to look out for us when we're down and out. Right. Exactly. Um, so is, is that, do you feel like that's kind of your, your calling of being a resource for people? Cause now you said you're doing um, social work currently. So is this, do you feel like this is innately who you are? You, you know, you want to be that go-to person. You want to be that res- resource. You want to support people who um, I guess maybe who are disenfranchised or who don't have, you know, some of the luxuries so many of us do have. Yeah, I feel like as long as I've, you know, had the, you know, the capacity to like hold down a job, the best thing I've, the best, the thing that I'm best at is working in support services and providing resources or helping somebody make like a safe plan so that they could, you know, leave the hospital and not worry about like, follow-up appointments or just having any kind of plan, any kind of resource to just make everything just a tiny, even if it's just a tiny bit easier for them, because there's so many like constraints when it comes to just like navigating the world. And if you don't know people and you don't know like the right people, sometimes those resources can like pass you by and you don't even know. So, yeah, that's definitely like, I don't know, I've, I've always really just really liked helping people in general, even if it's just, I don't know, kindness goes a, like a very long way. And I feel like people don't realize that. And what do you think that comes from? Uh, parental conditioning or still haven't discovered the or you still haven't discovered the, the root of it? Of, of like kindness going a long way? Yeah, that, I, that that philosophy, you know, living by that philosophy and just wanting to, again, innately support people. I think it's it's definitely one of those things where, like, some people have a, a mentality where it's like you have to watch out for yourself. So extending, like, that kind of kindness to other people or caring about other people becomes one of those things where it's seen as a, a weakness. I feel like people don't have enough empathy. I feel like... It's, I don't know. I just, especially after like, you know, the whole pandemic and going through this whole pandemic, seeing like people come to, together and provide each other with like mutual aid. Like, what if that was like on a grander scale where people had more faith in community rather than like, you know, I only care about me and mine, you know? Like, what if you extended that like kindness, that courtesy? If you were more empathetic, I feel like just in general, things would be a lot better. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, we talked, me and my co-host uh, talk, Shadi co- talked about um, compassion in the last episode. And you know, granted, we looked at it on a larger scale in terms of just ideologies, mm-hmm. but you know, focusing on just the basic human level of just, you know, making sure that every interaction is, 
mutually beneficial. Like, you know, right. we're, we're, we're all, we're all here for each other in some type of capacity. We all interact. We don't all, but whoever, anyone you interact with, there's a, there's, there's a, there's a barter system going on. There's an exactly. exchange going on. Right. So, you know, be, ha- having the awareness, like I, I, for me, it's always been the first step is, is having the awareness mm-hmm. that, you know, we're all here for each other. And then like, what can I do to implement that? What can I do to be part of the solution outside of all the problems that are just kind of ever, ever present. And yeah, definitely. I mean, seeing, seeing the amount of just communal work and support these past few months has been like an, dope. Just like it really has, it's, you know, so many people just, um, you know, and these are, you know, they, you can, they can transform into nonprofits and so many other different aspects, but just the, the idea of seeing, Seeing, um, I guess, our generation, the millennials, this kind of galvanize and work to get things going to support each other. Like, right. as much as of a bad rap as we we've gotten, these past few months show that you know, g- given the resources and given the freedom to kind of just live our lives the way we want to, we're willing to be part of the system, but right. we're also willing to support each other, which is what we we expect from the people we the figureheads we kind of put in the office right you know, we're doing the work it did but no one else is right and i feel like you know millennials get a bad rap because w- i feel like you know there's at some point where you just kind of like you pass the baton and then like it gets passed to millennials and then we we already started off pretty bad and i feel like people from older generations sometimes think that like you know, empathy is like this weakness thing and like wanting a better world is a weakness thing. And I feel if, you know, with even when you talk about like the community fridges or the mutual aids and like donating to, you know, so people can to, to bail funds, like that's great. But we also want, you know, the government to do the same thing for us as well. Like these systems are in place and they need to be fixed and, you know, we can only do so much, but if you don't have like the cooperation of the people that have the power, then it makes it really hard. I, I think, I, I mean, I know millennials get a bad rap. I've heard people say like, all oh, these millennials, this and these millennials, that, but like, it's great to see the kind of work, you know, people are doing to make sure that people don't go hungry or like the amount of people that are like out in the streets protesting nonstop since March. Like it, the, a day has not gone by where someone's not like out in the street, you know, protesting. And I think that people really need to realize that, you know, like this, ge- this generation is doing, they're doing a lot to make things better for people. Right. It's especially um, in response to going back to what you said about, you know, you know, we, we started, we started behind, right? Yeah. We, we you know the 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 system was crumbling before we became of age. You know exactly. we just in, we just inherited inherited it, right? We inherited the debt, and you know the, the, the it's very for me. It's, I know it's very layered and there's different aspects, um, and even within it, you know, I still I, you know I still personally believe in the individual and like you know what can I do? I know this. I know it sucks, but what can I do just to kind of get by? Right and. You know, granted, it's it's exhausting getting getting by. Trying to make it <laughs> these days is exhausting. Right? It really, like, I it see, truly is. Uh, like you, you, you like cons- I consider the um, social media rather, and this the idea of YouTube and content. Oh, everyday content, everyday content. You always got to be out there. You always got to put a smile on. You always got to keep pushing this content out. And 
so many of millennials and people within our generation are younger than us, you know, that we're going through it, especially in a, in a mental health aspect. Exactly. But there's still expectation to perform. Right. And it still feels like even, even, even though you don't, you're not traditionally working in the system, mm-hmm. you're still part of it. Exactly. You just, you just fine tuned it to gain a little independence. Right. Yeah. We'd already dealt with like one recession. We're going through another recession you like, you know, our parents were probably able to, or their parents were probably able to like buy a house or take some college courses and not worry about like the immense amount of debt that comes with that. And now it's like, it's just not the same for us, you know? So I, you know, people just millennials get a bad rap. We're trying, we really are. No, it's, I, I was just thinking about, um, like my, my parents come from Haiti. So I'm first gen- generation American mm-hmm. and thinking about the idea of them coming here, you know, not, not going to college. So they don't have college debt, but being able to kind of thrive in the late seventies and eighties and kind mm-hmm. of build and establish for themselves to the point where, you know, they're, they're in a good place where I feel like a lot of, um, people who immigrated, during that time frame are kind of in a good place overall. Yeah. And I, I get, um, I fall in line with the American dream, right? Like I'm, I'm born here. So like now I become part of the system that takes on all the troubles that they necessarily didn't have to deal with. Right. Uh, I don't know. This this, is a new thought. I need to think about (laughs) dive into that a, a bit more. About the American dream. That, and I guess being the first generation to, have to take on the troubles of what this country is because my parent my parents didn't have to do that since right. they weren't born here. Yeah. yeah. So so yes, yeah, so let's uh let's dive into discovering angles. Um discovering angles. Angles. Uh when when did you realize your your, your initial passion for photography? I don't know. It's so strange cuz I was thinking about this for like the last week like like, when did I realize how much I liked photography? And I feel like it's one of those things that I kind of like fell in and out of love with. Um, growing up, my my grandma had this boyfriend named Larry and she was with him for a very long time. And Larry loved photography. Like he loved it so much. And he always included me and my sister in that. And so like we would go visit him in his house in the Bronx and like, his entire basement, like his walls were completely covered in like portraits of every person he had come across. Like he carried his camera around, he took pictures of them and he, he loved it. And I think one time I went to his house and we were like looking at the newer pictures he put up and he had like a picture of my cut, like my cousin on my dad's side and my, my grandma's was from my mom's side. And I'm like, that's, that's my cousin. How do you know her? And he's like, that's, um, it was like his son's girlfriend's daughter. And I was like, that is my cousin Cheyenne. This is crazy. That's dope. <laughs> it, it was really, it was really funny. But I think like seeing like the care he took with taking pictures of people he knows has always been something that kind of like inspired me to want to take pictures. I, when I was a kid, like my my mom and dad would buy me like the the um the throwaway cameras like the instant cameras you take the pictures you get them developed and that's it and realizing about maybe when i was like 24 
25, just the amount of pictures that I would have to go through, like having physical copies of it. And then thinking to myself, like, oh, I actually really enjoy doing this thing a lot. Like, what are the next steps in, you know, enjoying it, you know? Because for me, it was like, what are the next steps in this, like, hobby that I like? And it was making people pose for photos. So it's like, let me take a picture of you. Let me take a picture of you. Let me take a picture of you. And being, like, the designated photographer for any, like, friend group that I was in is like, I don't know. It just feels like you like documenting good times or documenting life. Life, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And like in the last few years, because especially like two or three years ago, I was having like a really tough time with life, going through like a breakup, having to like move back home, and then thinking to myself, like, what are some things that, you know, always like made me happy or I was happy doing it and it was photography and then like looking through pictures that I've taken over the last eight years from just saved on like Google Drive or Google Photos or whatever and noticing like oh this is something that I really enjoy doing so I was like I'm it's time for me to kind of like hold myself accountable for the things that I enjoy doing and pushing myself to do that thing more what should I do and I so I bought a camera I bought an in, I bought an instant camera first. I bought an Instax camera, and then I was like, I'm gonna every time I come across a friend, anytime I'm having a good time, anytime someone looks like has like a moment of like happiness, I'm gonna take a picture. So that's what I started to do. I started to like just carry my Instax camera with me everywhere, and then it was all right. I'm gonna get a new phone, but in order for this to be the new phone that I like, it's gotta have a good camera. So then it was like, all right, now I have a phone that has a good camera. And it wasn't enough for me to just like post it on like my regular social media. I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm going to make a separate page to just post my photography. Let me see if I can get people to like, you know, follow it or I can get people to agree to like go on walks and stuff so that I can take pictures of them. And then they did that. And then I was like, okay, what can I do now? And it's like, what if you had a website and you put like what you think is your best work on that website? And so then I did that. And like, I don't know, it just, it's been at least for the last like two or three years, something that's like so fulfilling to me and so fun for me to do that I can't believe that I waited so long to like really like take it and like run with it. So that's, it's just, it's just been a lot of fun and it's cool because I have like the support of like friends. I have the the support of family. I have support of like even other, you know, photographers that I respect telling me like, Oh, like I love what you've been doing or your stuff is really great. And, and it feels good. So I'm just going to, keep doing it because it's like the one thing that I've done that I've haven't gotten tired of. The the way you describe the process makes it sound simple. And I think the reality is that overall, and I, I don't mean simple in terms of anyone can do it, but mm-hmm. just in terms of these are the steps I need to take and these are the steps I'm going to take. And I, I feel like that that's what all level of creativity should be, right? It's- yeah. Like, you know, you have that awareness, like, what's one thing that 
keeps me sane and makes me feel good. And you went, you know, you went, you went back to your childhood, and I, and I feel like a lot, a lot of people, like a lot of the things we truly love or truly should be doing in life, mm-hmm. we can just look back at childhood and f- f- find that that base and this, you know, kind of transition it into, like you said, hobbies and new passion. Yeah. You know, you start, you started with an uh, instant camera, right? Then you went to a, into a, a phone camera, and now you have a. What, what kind of camera do you have now? I have like an Olympus. Mark camera is also just really strange because whenever anyone asks me, like, what kind of camera do you have? I'm like, uh, uh, because it's like, to me, it's, it's a good, it's a good camera. It's a light camera. It's something I'm going to not regret grabbing and like taking it with me, but it's like an Olympus Mark two. And it's like a good light camera. Right. But also like just using my cell phone sometimes catches things that I feel like my actual camera wouldn't catch and vice versa. And that, so now you have like, you have, let's just have a, a book bag full of random cameras. You, have, you yeah. got your phone, you got your instant camera, you yeah. got your <laughs> this camera. And, that, and that's what it is. That's what it should be. Right. It's, it's, yeah. um, because I feel like part of it, it's still kind of connecting with the, the, what got you there initially. So like the instant right. camera kind of birthed you onto this path. So some, yeah. some moments you just want that instant, the instant feel and you know the uh that instant filter right uh, I'll, totally, I'll totally get that uh, that's dope so w- what's what's been your process in terms of um i guess capturing photos you talked about i guess mostly looking for people or walking with friends or, or family members and looking for good moments yeah uh, do you balance that out with bad moments or are you just looking for any type of moments i guess and i guess mostly related to when you take photos of portraits of actual people when it comes to like, when it comes to like taking photos of people, like when I first, right before the pandemic started, I was like, all right, I I made this page. I'm, I'm going to just ask people, does anybody want to go for a walk? And it's like people I know, people who want pictures and then just run with that idea. But then, you know, COVID happened. So it was harder to do that. But like generally speaking, when I'm taking portraits, it's just like I tr- I feel like I try and pick times where people seem the most at ease, the most like comfortable. Like even if it's a moment where you just have a like just a small moment of happiness or a smile or anything like that, it's when I'm like, can I just take a quick picture? Is that okay if I take a quick picture? Because then it's just. I I hold on to it and I'm just like, this picture came out really good. This person looks so happy. Like, I just like to catch people when they feel good. Why do you think that is? Because, you know, happiness can sometimes be like very fleeting. And sometimes, you know, it's, I think it's, it's easier if you can like look at a picture and go, oh, I remember when I took this, or I remember what we were talking about when I took that photo. Or like what happened that day that made them look like that, or yeah, it's just, it's that it's just like being able to pull up that memory when seeing the photo. Do you have any photos, or like do you have a secret folder of non happy moments, of like rough, rough, rough moments, or people when they're down and out? I I don't. I feel like sometimes, like sadness is so personal to people that it's not something 
I want to share about them. I want to share the moment where they felt like there wasn't sadness or they had a glimpse of happiness within that sadness instead of like catching that, that moment. I also feel like I photograph people better depending on the relationship. And it's, it's like a weird thing to say, but it's like knowing somebody on a like more personal level, I feel like you, like I know like their angle or what's going on, like maybe in their head a little bit and, and it makes it easier, but sadness, I'm not so keen on capturing. I'd rather see people like happy or like lovely. Like I want to see people being lovely or in love. Or <laughs> I like the idea of that. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's maybe just my pessimism. That's like I like sadness. Sadness is comforting. So I want to. I want to yeah. see other people within that that realm. But I, think, I, I get it. I, get I think it. sadness is comforting too. But I'm. I feel like I'm more willing to capture my own sadness from like a self portrait kind of angle than anyone else's. Cause in that way, like I can measure that about how far I've come or a reminder of that, that things, you know, they get better. Cause you know, sadness can also be fleeting, but like capturing others. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I think, uh, I don't want to capture anyone else's sadness because it's like, I feel like sometimes it's so personal, but maybe that is something that I should think about trying to capture, you know, like, Right now, I feel like I've been doing a lot of, like, just the city. Just, like, I'm in the Bronx. I'm going to take pictures of the Bronx. Uh, I'm in Brooklyn. I'm going to take pictures of Brooklyn. Like, Brooklyn specifically. Like, things about Brooklyn that I think are beautiful. Things about the Bronx that I think are beautiful. And um, I like doing that. But portraits are always the thing that I feel make me feel good about taking pictures. So you said you take uh, sad portraits of yourself. Do you t- do you t- take more lovely por- portraits of yourself also? I do. I try okay. to. Like I try and have that balance. Um it's 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 um it's weird now, you know, because we're like there's so much civil unrest and there's a pandemic and the news is constantly just throwing things at you, but you know, I haven't had a ton of sad days. Um in the last few months. So most of the portraits I've taken of myself have been me at like rest or me after, you know, like doing a bunch of self care. So it's like, this is what I look like after I take the time to take care of myself. If I like wash my hair and like grease my scalp and I feel like, like free and like accomplished, I'm going, all right, I'm going to take a nice, you know, picture of myself and see if I like it. But, um, but yeah, like, I feel like some sad photos, not, you know, making myself sad, but I should, that's something that I didn't really consider, but now like you bringing it up makes me consider like, is that something that I might want to do for myself more? Right. Have you... Or maybe even prior, I guess prior to COVID, since it might be weird now, have you taken photos of strangers or let's ask random people like, hey, can I get a photo of you guys? That is my next, that is my next big thing I want to do. 
when things are a little bit safer and th- people are less cautious is to jump over that next one, which is talking to people I don't know and saying, hey, can I take a photo of you? And seeing, you know, how that works. Because I've had people ask me that. Like, I've been standing somewhere who's, can I take a picture? And I go, okay. Because to me, it's not a big deal. For I know some people, it might be like, you know, I'm more private. I don't want that. But that's like, that's my next frontier. I feel like every time I, you know, I, I get kind of get wrapped up in ideas. But that's my that's my next frontier, is to ask strangers if I can take their photos. Are you extroverted I, I i don't i don't know I, I i'm not sure i guess me processing and trying to understand you part of me feels like you're extroverted sometimes and part of me feel like you're introverted so but how, how do you how do you see yourself or how are you actually i don't i don't know i've never been someone that thinks i'm like like very extroverted or very introverted i feel like i've processed things um i process things in a way that's like just me and then bring it to, you know, like a wider audience. But I feel like I'm extroverted, you know, depending, you know, like I'm around my friends and stuff. Like that's easy. It's like Tatiana is just doing a Tatiana stuff. But like on a, you know, bigger scale, like you, it's something that I have to work at. Like, you know, the comfort level changes depending on the people. Right, but I don't absolutely. know if that falls into introvert or extrovert. Cause I don't have a problem sharing, but I just don't want to share with everybody, you know? Yeah, of course. Um, so outside of portraits and people, what catches your eye? Like you were talking about taking photos of Brooklyn, taking photos of the Bronx. How do you, I guess, what's your process when it comes to just the world and, you know, architecture, buildings, the sky? Like, I think that's why I, my, my whole tagline, even for my, my website is discovering angles is I like taking pictures of architecture. I like taking pictures of what New York looks like, like how big the buildings are, how small the buildings are, like what they look like in sunlight as opposed to what they look like in the dark. And now, especially now, since it's more, you can't really do indoor stuff. Like my boyfriend, Robert's been like a person that's like, you know what? Let's plan a park set. Let's plan it in Brooklyn. Let's plan it in Manhattan. Let's plan it in the Bronx. Let's plan it in Queens. And like we just go to wherever we are, especially if it's a park, because I just love parks and just take as many pictures of, like as I can of like parks and especially bridges. And now like I just want to just take pictures of every lighthouse I see. But like more so now just like nature before it gets cold like what the city looks like before fall so like i went to the botanical gardens last week and i was like this is the best this is the best and just taking as many pictures as possible and just i don't know it's just like me capturing the things i enjoy while i'm like they're enjoying it and then going back and going like i was at the botanical garden for the first time ever and i saw this really big tree and then just like having that story to go with the photo or the picture. I like that. I like that. So what, what's your post uh, photography process like? You know, you've taken a bunch of pictures. Are you on the train home going through them? Or do you go home and you sit through and I, this, this, this doesn't make the cut? Uh, this is a maybe. What's that experience like for you? 
For me, it's I. So I'll take like fifteen pictures of the same thing, and then I'm like, did the lighting look okay? And did it look better when I took it with my phone, or did it look better when I took it with my camera? And then I like narrow it down to maybe like three or four pictures that I really like, and then I get like a second opinion. So I'll be like, hey, boyfriend Robert, how does this picture look? And he goes, you know what, I like this one. And then I go, do I like this one? And maybe I don't. And then I pick something else, but it's more like narrowing it down and then sort of asking an opinion and then figuring it out from there. But yeah, train ride home. I'm definitely like, all right, I took 12 pictures of this tree, which one does the tree look the most beautiful in? And then like, I'll pick that one or maybe the one that looks the the silliest or the lighting was not as good as I want it, but I still like the picture, even though the lighting in another picture was better. It's just like, I feel like at the end, like, which one did I like better? Like the opinions help, but at the end, it's just like, which one makes me feel nice about, you know, sharing it? And then that's, that's really the process. But I do just like sit and go through every Everything. photo. Right. <laughs> you have to, right? You have yeah. to. That's That's part of the art and the creative process behind you know, f- crafting and fine tuning your skills, right? Making, yeah. uh, making sure your, your eye adjusts to, um, I guess, the reality and desires and what what you want people, what 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 you want to be represented in, in the photos you show. Right, and then I also do this thing where sometimes, you know, I'll go through like two hundred pictures and be like, all right, I didn't really like anything, and then I'll just you know, not think about those pictures for a little bit, and then I'll find myself having some free time go through the exact same pictures and find like 15 gems that I was like, Oh, <laughs> this was, this was pretty good. And then I'm like, all right, I just got to give it some time. I think sometimes you have to like kind of distance yourself from what you were looking at and then come back and be like, Oh, all right, this is pretty good. This is good. This. Yeah, per- pers- perspective, energy, um, mental yeah. focus, like, you know, that, you know, it's like, uh, I had have this, having this conversation a few weeks ago with a friend idea of like writing a, a letter to someone, right? Like you write it in the moment and you don't want to send it out. You step back and then you kind of go through it and you find new perspectives and new ways to feel about everything. Yeah. You, know, you, you, you need that buffer period sometimes. Yeah. You need like the buffer period. Exactly. Where you're just like, you know, all right, I took 200 photos and all in with garbage. And then you, you wait <laughs> a couple of weeks and then you're like, you know what? Let me take another look. And it's like, all right, you sifted through the the garbage and you found some you found some diamonds. <laughs> so, how do you? I'm trying to find the best way to phrase this. Um, how do you find? How do you decide? I guess my question is more so based on, um, I guess the, the moment of inspiration, like seeing something that you've seen for the first time, and deciding this isn't worthy of, of, of a photo versus I fucks with this. All right. So, okay. I got a good example. So to today I'm looking through some old photos that I, I took and sometimes I just, so you have a, you, uh, you know, like a pixel phone. Sometimes you could just do a search uh, for anything random and then they'll give you like a bunch of pictures that they think relate to the word. So today I'm like, I've never done that. You I should. Don't. I don't, I don't, all of that stuff 
terrifies me because <laughs> it, it, it feels too intrusive. I, I know, I know it's just technology. And yeah. It's, it's no, okay. It. it just feels too intrusive. So, but this is what I did. Cause it's not like, I won't be like, you know, I'll be like portrait, right? I'll type in portrait, right? And then it'll show me what they think are the, you know, portraits. So then I'll just do that. Most of the time, it's just like things I took in portrait mode. So then today, I'm looking through the fo- the the photos, and then I come across this picture I took of like a pigeon. And I'm like, wow, this pigeon looks amazing. But I took it like in February. And it's just like, okay, this, pi- this pigeon looks beautiful. I think I want to share this with people. And then I just shared it. I was like, this is... This looks like a, a pigeon and a beautiful pigeon at that. So I'll just share it. And so I shared it. And then uh, this f- photographer I follow from the Bronx saw the photo and he's like, this is a great shot. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. We're on the same page. This pigeon's really doing its thing. But I, I Clifford, I feel like you should uh, do that. You should just Google some random words in your your Google photos and you, you never know, you might find some stuff that you forgot about. I'm, I'm uh 95% sure that I would, I would never, I would never do that. <laughs> I would never do that. You should just, like sometimes I'll just go, all right, let me Google food. And then I'll show me like pictures. I took of some food and I'm like, wow, those stuffed peppers that I made four months ago look delicious. And then I just make stuffed peppers again. But like it's it's really not as scary as it sounds if you're just looking through your own photos on your phone. Like it just shows you what you know it thinks. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I'm 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 old. Like I'm an old <laughs> person. <laughs> so like, the, although I, I understand technology very much, uh-huh. certain things just freak me out and creep me out. Like, uh, like Instagram. Yeah. For example, there's uh, I'm not, I don't remember what happened. Maybe it was a bug or something. But I went on Instagram and I was scrolling, and it was a there was a white screen where a picture should be, and there was text describing what was in the picture. And then the like, then like I refreshed, and then the photo came. So oh, know, that does sound like a weird glitch. Right, but it's. It, it made me realize that, that that's what happens with all photos now. Like every every photo now has uh, some information related to what's in it. That's how, I mean, that's how AI works nowadays. That's how right. you know, reverse search searches work. And I, I just, I don't like the future implications. I think that's more of my, excuse me, I think that's more of my concern. Yeah. I understand what it is now, but I don't like the future implications for how intrusive it will be. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to participate and allow the phone to learn me. I mean, the fo- your phone is AI. I mean, everything is AI realistically, right? right? Yeah. I don't want the phone to learn me and think it can figure things out. That that freaks me out. Yeah. <laughs> I think I that, that's that. a problem. I'm, I'm, I'm a paranoid person. <laughs> I mean, I've seen Terminator, right? I, I know it's coming. No, yeah, definitely. It makes sense. I mean, uh, I still encourage you to do it like one time just to see, just to see. And if it's bad, uh, then you're like, you know what? Throw the whole phone away. I'll do it one time. I'll think of something very basic and, and simple and I'll, I'll do it once to see what the experience is like. Yeah. And if I hate it, I'll never do it again. And if I like it, I still probably won't, won't, won't do it again. <laughs> I, I'd rather just create my own folders and manage everything. Like I have, yeah. a, I have my Google drive connected to my uh, MacBook and my, my phone. So you're not going to shuffle a lot easier. I don't know. The, 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 
my, I mean, my mindset is always that the less I interact and the, the less I vulnerable, uh, excuse me, the less I willingly participate in certain aspects of technology, the more I feel off the grid. Yeah. And it could be, a, it could be bullshit, but this is, these are the lies I tell myself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that doesn't sound like a bad idea. I know people who do that. They're like, you know, they, they want to be as, you know, off the grid as possible when it comes to technology. So they, you know, they buy, um, what is it called? Like VPN? Yeah, buy a VPN and like tape up their phone cameras and you only use Signal and, yeah, yeah. you know, don't have like a Facebook, don't have any kind of social media. So, you know, makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. But you still participate in so I mean, there's, there's no real, there's no real escape. I, like I, the reality is that there's no escape. Like, yeah. With being active, being a watch, everything you type and write is being recorded and stored there's a file with you there's a file on you somewhere with everything you've ever done throughout your whole existence it's just a, it's just the reality right just yeah don't don't do anything too crazy where they use it as leverage right i think exactly. that, that's, the, that's the point of, of life <laughs> yeah pretty much it's like don't don't murder anybody and do as all the legal things right. you know <laughs> on the phone so what, what what's currently inspiring you Outside of the portraits, outside of the, and I guess maybe this is more so related to, I guess, the architecture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. let's focus on that. Like, what inspires you about architecture? What inspires you about the buildings, the size? What what, what draws you to want to take pictures of those? They're so big. That's really, that's really it. Like, buildings are so enormous, especially the, you know, the further you get into Manhattan, it's just like these buildings are so humongous and like, you know, sometimes they can be a bit of an eye. So when you see how like, you know, overdeveloped the city has become over the, you know, over the years, but then some of them are so like, like beautiful and massive, like sometimes I don't consider, you know, size when it comes to like buildings and like animals and stuff. So you literally constantly finding myself surprised at how much like elephants way or how tall buildings are and being like what but yeah that's that's it like just being next to something so massive and catching like being able to capture the whole building or what I saw of the building and I thought was beautiful at like you know a specific angle to me is like really great like if I can take a picture of the entire Brooklyn Bridge from like my camera and people can see what I saw at that moment where I was like, this is like the most beautiful thing I've seen. Then I'm like, this is, this is what I want. What, what is it about the size that inspires you or draws you in just the, the relativeness to like our size as humans or that someone built it? Like, are there, are there, what layers are there for you? It's just like, I can't, I just, Clifford, honestly, I just can't, like, in my head, I can't fathom how massive things are. And <laughs> it really is that. And being able to capture an entire massive thing in one photo is, like, incredible. Like What's that's the biggest thing you've captured? Probably. In, in its entirety. In its entirety. Probably the, probably the Brooklyn Bridge. Probably the Brooklyn Bridge, I feel. 
Like, like it's something so big that I'm like, I cannot believe how big this bridge is. I just walked across this bridge. Now I'm on another bridge looking at that bridge. And I took an entire picture of that bridge like that. And anytime I can get like a really good picture of, you know, like it's always me holding the camera, looking up at how big a building is and going like, I got the majority of this ginormous building into the, this photo. And now everyone can experience and experience it as a whole without feeling like, che- like cheated from not being able to see the whole thing. I just want to be able to let people see the things that I saw, like in its entirety. And the tiny things, no interest. They tiny. can get, they can, get, they can get their own camera and take pictures of, of us, right? Yeah, if you, you know, tiny things. <laughs> worry about yourself, tiny things. No, I've tried to take pictures of tiny things, and t- you know, <laughs> like I never thought about it. Like this, this intensity about like why I haven't taken pictures of small things. Maybe it's because I'm such a tall person and such a big person that like things bigger than me. I'm like, whoa! But like I've, you know, been in. You know, so it's like, wow, look at this beautiful flower. And that's it about it. <laughs> like, I would rather take a picture of all the flowers instead of just like this particular flower. Like, I like the bigger picture. I get that. I and feel being, like it. Oh, sorry. And being able to see like all the details of a photo rather than just the focus on the one thing. Usually only when it's a portrait do I really think about that. But. And I feel like um, it, it gives the the viewer more, uh, I guess, options to kind of experience the photo and there's different aspects. If you're focusing on just the one flower, it's just like, all right, here's this flower. But if you're doing this massive building, it's like, all right, well, who's on the 30th floor? And, you know, right. you're looking at the sunlight, you're looking at the clouds hitting it. There's so much more detail. I, yeah. I get that. Yeah, yeah. I like that. And even, you know, even ugly buildings are so, like, magnificent. <laughs> What's an ugly building in, in New York that most people might know? Oh, ugly building, ugly building. Ugly Do building. you like the Flatiron building? The flat, I don't think the Flatiron building is ugly. Okay. It's, it's very odd-shaped. I'd like to take a picture. I've never taken a picture of the Flatiron building. I should probably go and do that. But what's an ugly building? There's, like, a building I can see right now that's pretty ugly. <laughs> you know, from the, the window in the Bronx. But what kind of build? What kind of building is it? It's just like a. It's there's a residential building, and it's it's two different colors, and it's right by the train station, and it's pretty ugly. But you know, if I went downstairs and took a picture of it from, you know, the ground up, it probably wouldn't look that bad. Perspective, right? Like perspective. <laughs> <laughs> perspective. All right. If if uh if you can if you could be dropped off in any city in the world and spend a day t- taking pictures, what city would it be? I would I would one hundred percent go back to Denver. Really? Yes. In the world? In you know what? Now that you say in the world. <laughs> <laughs> um you know what? Um I'm I'm you know, I'll say Denver, but like a close second is I went to, I went to Athens and I thought Athens was great. And if I could, I would go back to Athens and 
just like do it all over again and see more. I was there for like 10 days and I feel like that wasn't enough time. And I would love to go back to Athens just because Athens is such an old, old like place. And some parts of Athens are still very, very old. And like other parts of Athens are just very, very new. And seeing like graffiti near like some old church is just so crazy to me. Did you go to Athens recently while you started in your photography journey or was it before? I went to Athens in 2018, but at that point I didn't have like a great camera, but I took, I took a ton of pictures and it was just like a, it was just in general, like a very great experience. Like my first day there, I like hiked up a mountain and there was like a church on a mountain and it was just like very, very beautiful. And I think I was more in the moment of just like enjoying the trip that I didn't take as many photos as I would have normally. But I think sometimes that's okay. Like it's okay to, you know, like have a moment where something's so beautiful that maybe a picture wouldn't do it justice to just like have that personal private moment. I would do that again. That was great. That was one of the greatest times in my life. Do you feel? Do you ever think about the disconnect that the camera creates at times? Um, yes. Okay. So say more. There's just some things cameras can't capture, and and it's always that. I think that's why when I do try and take portraits, it's like trying to capture, like I, like I said before, like that happiness, that moment of like loveliness, but. Just there's just some moments that are like probably like you can't catch it because you shouldn't. Like it's too beautiful. It's an experience that you should have privately and like love that moment and then just have that moment. And the only proof you have is how it made you feel. And that's okay. I love that. Do do you find yourself becoming more aware? Like let's say let's say you, you head back to Athens, you come up the mountain and you have that experience and you're like, you know, I should take a photo of this. But then you're like, no, I just want to absorb this for myself. Do you, do you, do you have the, the awareness in the moment to kind of be like no camera? Yeah, definitely. No paparazzi. That's yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes like, like I said, the camera just can't do a moment like that justice. Like, you know, it, you know, you, you know, you have a life-changing experience and you you decide to yourself, you know what, I'm going to do something for myself. And even if that's just like buying a plane ticket to Greece with your friends and just hiking up a mountain and you get to the top and there's a church there and it's like, go to the church and say a prayer. And then you come out and you're, you're overlooking the entirety of Athens. And like, you can go ahead and try and take a picture, but like your eyes literally cannot fathom how that would make you like how you feel at that moment being that you feel like, you know, you feel like you've been holding your breath and then you, you go up a mountain and you're able to breathe again and you accomplish something. And it's like very, very personal, even with people around witnessing it, you know, witnessing the same thing as you, but it's like different. Like it's your own thing and that's it. I I get that. Uh, Thinking about it while you were talking, um, I I feel that maybe it's the 
if I take a picture, I know that I can reference it and go back to it at some point. Right. But if I just say, I'm just going to take this in as as in, I'm more willing to surrender to the natural, to the natural and just be here in the moment to exactly. kind of absorb what's going on. Yeah. 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 I like that a lot. Yeah. Sometimes you just, a picture won't, even for yourself, even if it's like you take a photo so that you can look back and remember it, that photo will never do what you saw justice because it's just like so personal and so much like that moment at that time and it can't be captured. So I want to hear more about Denver being number one for you. <laughs> <laughs> I just really, I just really like Denver. Like the, I mean, I know, you know, I, I went there and I feel like, um, there's sometimes like these trips you take that you're just like, this was such a fun trip. And that was a tr- trip that was fun from the beginning to the end. And like, it, it, it was one of those things where, you know, you, I pushed myself out of my comfort levels by trying to, you know, I won't even say try. I accomplished it. I hiked up that mountain. I felt like I was going to die, but I did it, you know? <laughs> and like, you know, you know, I felt sick afterward, but I was like, that was great. Like I was, I actually was talking to my mom about this yesterday. I was just like, Francine, I climbed a mountain and saw a hidden lake and I thought I was going to die and I did it and I would do it again. And that's what it's supposed to be, right? That's that's what experiences are, right? Feeling like shit in the moment, but then you... You hit the peak and you're like, oh, like this was fucking worth it. Yeah. And I didn't die. Right, exactly. You're like, this was worth it. Like the whole trip up, I'm like, everyone's been so supportive. And then you get to the top and you go, wow, I definitely am so glad that I did not like tap out and cry as I ran back to the car. I just did it. (laughs) And it was great. And it was great because you got to do it with like your friends. And it was just, it was really cool. Yeah, for me, I think that was my first experience um, seeing a lake at the top of a mountain. That's it's and like the coolest thing in the world. Yeah, it, it's 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 humbling, you know. It it's, really is coming, coming, and like a lot, a lot of it is uh, for me, especially, is just you know being being black and coming from Brooklyn to Flatbush, where we don't, we're not, we're not inclined to see these things. We're not, right. um, we're not raised to kind of go out and be venture and be part of nature and have these experiences. So. Yeah. You know, I'm having these first time experiences at the age of like 33 and 34, which is dope within itself. But then it's also just a perspective of like, there's so much, there's so much we've been missing out on. There's yeah, so much definitely. that we haven't been um, just taking, the, like, the, like going back to that idea of, I guess, risk or putting yourself out there more, yeah. challenges, just to kind of experience life a lot more. Like, we, Erica and I went to um, a lake. Or I think rather reservoir, maybe two two or three months ago, and like I put my put my foot foot in the water in a lake for the first time ever. I've n- never ne- really? never never done it before, and I'm like like you know it's not a big deal, but it's big in the sense of just kind of feeling free, yeah, and connected with nature enough yeah. to kind of just have the experience. Yeah, I feel like a like you're right. Like a lot of people don't, especially when you grow up in like. New York and you're like from Brooklyn or you're from Harlem, you don't really get to experience that to that, you know, extent because it's not really like forced on you. He's like, hey, you live in a metropolis. Like, what do you need a mountain for? But like that stuff is life changing. Like it, it really opens you up to, you know, you're like, what else can I do? 
what else should I do? Right. How much more beautiful is this world, right? Right. You're like, this is great. And this is in the country. What else is out there? Right. What else is in here? You know? Uh, So I think this would be good to kind of transition and focus on, you know, what it's like being a black photographer, a black woman photographer, you know, any, anyone you look up to, any role models, any, uh, not even famous, but any, any other photographers that you've kind of, you kind of look to for inspiration So or whether it matters, whether it doesn't, maybe it doesn't matter at all. It's, it's weird for me because I think as far as looking at photos, I've never really like been able to kind, kind of like narrow down, you know, who inspires me a lot, but as far as like encouragement goes, um, I met this like amazing photographer named Sharice through my sister. She, they used to work at like the gap together and she's been somebody that like has been really encouraging to me when she noticed that I was like, you know, trying to be more serious about photography. And she's like, you, you know, your work is really good. I can't wait to see what else you do. And even like, you know, right before everything shut down in New York, like we met up for a little bit and we talked about photography and whenever she sees anything that, you know, might be interesting to me, she like, she reaches out and she tells me about it. And she's just been very like super encouraging. It's, it's crazy. Like, you know, sometimes you, you kind of doubt your abilities, especially when you aren't somebody that has, you're not like, you know, famous or you don't have a lot of like followers because you kind of get wrapped up in that. And it's like, you shouldn't do it for those reasons. You should just do it because you enjoy it. And she's been somebody that kind of like has been very good about, you know, telling me like your stuff is good. Read this stuff about photography. You're doing great. Here's some like, um, here's some camera advice. And she's just, she's like really great. And her and like Larry, Like, you know, I never, you know, I didn't really think about it like as much as I did in the last few weeks, but like being around Larry and seeing what he did with his camera and the pictures he took of the people he loved was like very inspiring. And sometimes you don't realize it takes years for something like that to hit you. And like, you know, you come to like a realization, you go, oh, wow. Like Larry was always there taking photos and I was talking to my mom about that the other day. I was like, I remember I was a kid. Larry took a picture of me, like in my pajamas playing like mini golf in his kitchen, <laughs> <That's cute. laughs> you know? And it's just like a picture he took and it's not like in focus. It's, it's like, you know, it's blurry, but it's like a great photo of just like a kid having a really good time. And he took that picture and I don't even have it, but I think about it and I go, you know, you want, I want to capture stuff like that. And that's what Larry did. That's what Sharice does. And so I don't really, you know, have, you know, like these big names to reference, but those two people have been like very much, like very much helped me realize how much I like what I like. It's, it's a nice full circle aspect, right? Yeah. Like looking back at the the past and what kind of, um, I, I use the word conditioned a lot, but what's kind of conditioned in, into you as a child and then 
having this reawakening and reconnecting with yourself as a childhood and the things you loved as a child. Yeah. And then finding someone in the present who can kind of help you hone in on your skills and kind of give you additional encouragement. Yeah. And like, you know, um, Sharice is a, is a few years younger than me. Um, and she's worked for like hot 97 and, you know, has been able to like take those pictures and she's like, you know, she's like a young black woman. She, she she's out there doing her thing. And like, Larry was like this, this old black guy from the Bronx. And he was like, I'm gonna take my camera wherever I want to go. So it's like, that's really nice to see that and know that, you know, there's people out there that look like you who do what you do, even if it's for fun, if it's for whatever reason. And now since, you know, I've made more of an effort to like kind of stay on top of just doing like more photography stuff on social media. There's like a network of these, these Brown photographers that are in the Bronx that go out of their way to support what you do and give you like compliments on your stuff and follow you. And, you know, it's really cool. Like it's, it's, it's amazing. Like I didn't know that these people were, you know, around and now they're like, they're like constantly, you know, interacting with me online and saying like, yo, your stuff is really good. Your stuff is really dope. And it's like, it's, it's cool. That's dope. I mean, it goes back to what we were talking about, about like millennial support, right? Just we, so many of us. And I, and to me, it it matters that it's from the Bronx. It it always matters that it's in, within the inner cities, within you know, these uh, areas where we're not, again, not traditionally conditioned to want to be conditioned to be creative or tap into our passions and the things right. we love. So it's just this awareness of, I, I, I know what it's like. I know what it's like to kind of be stared off path. I know what it's like to have something you truly love, but not have the support to kind of flourish because, you know, our parents aren't really going to al- allow that because right. the, the, they're, you know, they have different philosophies on what life should be, you know, get a job, stick with that job. You have a family, you know, our our parents for the most part did the same work all their lives, Yeah, but we're young and we have, we have access to so much. Like even when you're talking about having a separate social media account, like I think everyone should, everyone should have like four or five different Instagram and Snapchat accounts because there's so much creativity. There's so much things that we all love as individuals, there's different, and there's all these different avenues to go into. Um, yeah. You definitely I, I, shouldn't limit yourself. Right. Right. I wanted to, honestly, I wanted to, to do photography when I was younger too. I think mostly, most notably in high school, because it, it was the first time I was going into Manhattan and mm-hmm. going to your point of like the big buildings. And for me, it was just like this whole new experience because Coming from Flatbush, well, what Flatbush Flatbush used to be, there weren't really any tall skyscrapers ex- or tall buildings, with the exception of a few buildings in downtown Brooklyn, right? Um, F- Fulton Street, and going to Manhattan, I was just under the bridge the whole time. So it was suburban Brooklyn train into massive Manhattan, and yeah. I wanted to, I wanted, but I, I, I never went into it. I didn't, I didn't have the income, and even if I did, the income was spent on like drinking and. You know, carpe diem, season the moment, and just yeah. having fun. Yeah. So, like, you know, I finally 
and even I, I don't even like taking pictures. I, I'm I've always been opposed to taking pictures or having people take pictures of me. Mm-hmm. Something psychological that I haven't really found the root cause of. But right. I you know I started doing my Cliff Captures Clouds account uh, earlier this year. Yeah, triple C. <laughs> um, and 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 it's been it's been fun just being able to ta- again tap into this passion that I've always had. But now it's just focused on something that I do I love. Like I've I've always loved the concept of clouds, yeah, and the visualization and the uniqueness, and you know they look like massive empires, right? And these beautiful things in the sky. But when you get there, there's nothing. It's just boring. Yeah, <laughs> but. No, just creating that account and have having that side account to do do that, and you know I have a bunch of other side accounts accounts also. Yeah. I probably have like ten Instagram accounts. Yeah, <laughs> you should make as many as you want because you're right. Like, there's no reason you should feel like you need to limit yourself. You know why? When you can just keep tapping into things that make you happy and doing those things because they make you happy. And then you get to cross brand, cross promote. Like people who love exactly. Cliff Captures Cloud might like. Uh, professional quotes and some of the other stuff I'm working on. So, you, exactly. know, you, you know, you have the opportunity to, to reach out and connect with, uh, I think like what, 4 billion people have the internet now. So yeah, they're out there. So, you know, you, you, you go in and make the effort as, as best as you can. Yeah. The, you just, it's always, always going to be make a place for yourself and get comfortable and be happy about it. Right. Right. No matter how big, no matter how small. So you talked about um, Sharice kind of giving you tips and advice. How else do you hone and fine tune your skills as a photographer? Um, how else do I do this? Hmm. I think it's more, it's a lot of being critical and being critical, taking criticism and not taking it personal if someone says, well, you know, I think it would be better if it was this or whatever. I think it's like, it's partially that and understanding like just because you went out, just because you took your camera out with the the idea that you were going to go out and you were going to just shoot doesn't mean that you're going to come back and have stuff that you enjoy. Like you fail, you have another day to try again. Or maybe like that the thing that you thought you failed at, you give it some time and you go back and you go, oh, actually, you know, I did like this. But um, I think it's, you know, just just doing it and not making excuses is is what I've, like, come to really try and, like, ingrain in myself. It's like you fail, you try again, you fail again, you try again, and you just keep doing it and then – you know, kind of like I do spend a lot of time talking to um, my boyfriend about it because he's all, he's been very supportive of me going out and taking pictures. He he even he's like, you know, if you're going to go out and take pictures, I'm going to go out and take pictures, too. And he creates his own Instagram where he posts his own photography. And so it's like. Getting that support, but also being like, you know. You got to take criticism. Even if it's from if it's from yourself or it's from someone else, it's like, what could I have done better? Or what do you like about this picture? What don't you like about this picture? You know? Yeah, that's a, a great and positive perspective. Um, have you always kind of been like that? Like being able to f- use the word fail, um, fail at something and just be like, all right, well, 
got to get over it? Or is it something that you've kind of worked on developing? This is like something I've had to work on developing because honestly, like I feel like failure was something that I didn't even like to talk about when it came to myself because, you know, failure sometimes feels like the, you know, the end all. And that doesn't, that doesn't mean that, you know, you, it, it is the end all if you don't get up and try again, or if you decide like, you know what, I'm done. I'm tired of this, but it's just, you just have to, you know, keep trekking as they say. Um, it's definitely something that I've reflected on a lot in the last like three or four years, what failure is actually, um, if it's, if it, is it life, is it life ending that you failed? No. Um, if you fail, does that mean that you can never try this exact thing again? Will you never get the same results of like the successes you had prior? And it's like, that's not what that means. You just try again and you try again and then you try again. But that's definitely is something that, um, I had to come to terms with, like, just because you fail doesn't mean that you are a failure. They're not synonymous, you know? Right. That, that's, that's a perfect way to phrase it. Just because you fail doesn't mean you're a failure. Yeah. Um, has photography kind of been the main thing that helped change your perspective or were you kind of already in that process and it brought, I guess, new, brought new experiences and understanding the separation between failure and failing? I think that it's helped me with the process of understanding that like, just because you didn't do a thing the way you wanted to, doesn't mean that, you know, you can't try it again. It's helped, but I was coming to that realization before where you, you know, even if it's like, you know, failed relationships, failed friendships, like being unhappy in your job, it's like, what am I doing wrong? How can I fix it? And then realizing like, maybe if I make, you know, a game plan and, you know, write it out and figure it out what parts about my life or my situation don't I like? Can I remove it? Can I fix it? Can I do something else? And then the last three years, I've been able to pretty much like, I don't know. It's, I feel like I become more optimistic in some senses about, you know, what an accomplishment is. And if I'm proud of myself and photography was one of those things down the line that I realized that I was proud of. But before that, there were things that I don't think I was proud of that I am proud of now. Like that I'm like, you know, I feel like I'm resilient and that I, I bounce back and I learn from mistakes, my own mistakes, and make a plan to continue to be better. And so far I've been doing that. Like in the last like two or three years of my life, I feel like I've been very, very happy with how I have turned photography into more than a hobby now for myself because I love it so much, but how I've handled relationships, how I've handled friendships, how I've handled like moving into a new job, moving into a new space and being better at communicating what it is that I need or what it is that I want and like making that stuff happen. But photography has definitely been one of those things that helped me realize that whatever path I'm on, I'm heading in the right direction. 
it, it kind of feels like the the necessary balance we all need. Um, like early on, earlier, on, earlier on, rather, excuse me, yeah. we talked about working, but now having time or making time rather to, to kind of tap into your hobbies. Yeah, and that's what life should be to an extent. You know, there should be work, and Absolutely. if work if work isn't your dream job or isn't exactly what you wish it was you st- it shouldn't define your life ex- your right. life experience right, right. You, you go there you do your hours and then once that's done you know you you put the time into the things you really love and care about and like from from everything you're saying it, it helps reveal so much about who you are who you can be it helps you overcome personal obstacles and limitations you set on yourself right um and i mean that's what creativity is that's what our passions are that they're here to allow us to see more of ourselves, allow us to, I mean, especially with, I mean, granted all arts, but with photography, right? You, you said you take pictures of people in these happy and lovely, joyous moments. And for you, it says one thing for me, it'll say something else, but I'll, I'll, you know, we'll we'll all still see that happiness, but there'll be so many different layers that allow anyone who looks at that picture to experience and kind of feel or be, it's good. It's, I think it's uh, it's humbling to know that people are happy, right? Yeah. Like we know that we know the world is shit, right? We know yes, things we are do. bad, <laughs> so it's nice to be like, hey, you know what? They're still smiling through it all, and right. and, and maybe, you know, maybe maybe that's why you don't you don't take sad pictures. Don't don't listen to me. <laughs> focus, focus on focus on the, on the, the optimism. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's just something about you know seeing someone's like moment of happiness or just just just. Like they just the clarity that comes with seeing somebody that you like love, that you like, that you respect, like look at you, see you taking the photo and going like, this is good. Or like, I'm glad that she's taking this photo or whatever the, you know, whatever their reason is. It's like, you know, I like capturing that. But yeah, like I, I feel like sometimes you don't realize how much the little things become the big things. And that's what, that's, ex- that's exactly what happened. Like it was a little thing to me and then it became this big thing. And like every, every like day that passed, every week that passes, I, I just feel like I, I'm getting more in tune with myself through photography and realizing how much of an impact it's made on my life and how long I've been kind of like in love with the idea of photography or taking photos because I I I've literally been keeping an actual record of it for 7 years and it took like the last 2 or 3 or 4 years for me to go oh this is cool I I like the humil- humility oh this is cool but <laughs> you know it's it's more it's it's always more than that yeah yeah um, do you, do you ever find yourself getting? I'm, I'm trying to uh, equate writer's block to a writer, but with photography, where yes. you're just like, I, I, I can't. This is all shit. I, I can't. Yes. I don't have the. I don't have the eye today. Is, is there? Is there a phrase for that in photography? I don't. I don't know. I've never heard it, but, but I definitely be, felt it. Um, photo block. What, what, photo block. <laughs> What is like we'll go de- with that. like what are you like it's not developing since it's photography it's like i don't know it's just not developing for me right now it's just not develop i like that it's not 
<laughs> I'm not I'm not discovering any angles currently. Yeah. And there's no angles to discover right now. I don't know what's going on. So what's that process like for you and how do you how do you how do you how do you process through it? How do you transition through it and out of it? I think you just kind of sometimes you just got to kind of like wait it out. Sometimes it feels like maybe there's a moment where it feels stagnant, where you feel like you're not taking good photos or there's nothing to take photos of that you like, that's really like resonating with you. I feel like when that happens, it's either you have to kind of like, all right, let me give it a break. Or it's like, where haven't you been yet? You know? So since now, especially since it's, it's harder to take pictures of people, it's like, where haven't I been that I would love to take a photo of, you know? So it's like, all right, feeling a little stagnant. So let's go to a different borough. Can we venture outside the city? Is that a possibility? Like on my walk home, have I seen anything different? And I think when you put it into that kind of that perspective, it's like less about fresh eyes and more about fresh places, you know? So it's like, can you change your walk home? Can you like take the railroad out a little bit further than you would or like, or take it anywhere because you haven't been on it and see something new. I think that's where it really would help like develop, you know? Right. And that kind of, um, I feel like that parallels the idea of just life, right? Like stepping out of your comfort and making an effort to kind of venture out more. Like instead of stopping, getting off at your usual train station, get off, you know, one stop earlier, one stop after, and then walk home like you said, new path, new perspectives, new people kind of see new new blocks, right? Like exactly. You know, are, are they kids playing with with a with a with the fire hydrant, you know, yeah. down this block? But yeah, yeah, I, I like that a lot. Yeah. Like right um, now, I, I have I feel like I'm not not stagnant, especially with that the great trip I took to the botanical gardens. But like I know that I want to do before the summer's out, I want to go back to the polo grounds and I want to go up to the twenty fourth floor of building one where I grew up and I want to go to that terrace and I want to take the same shot that I took like seven years ago where you can literally see the entire city. Is that realistic for you to do that? Hell yes. Okay. (laughs) The doors are never locked. (laughs) (laughs) That is true, right? Just walk right in. I can go back. Someone's going to recognize me. Let me in the building. What if it becomes one of those moments where you don't need a photo and you're just like, holy shit, full circle life, right? Like, yeah. Then I won't take it. Okay. Well, you be you sounded disappointed. I'm I'm sorry I brought up that idea. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not disappointed. If it, it it becomes one of those moments where it's like, you know, you're looking out on the city of like, you know, the terrace that you've been going to since you were like a baby to like look out and it's like too beautiful or too overwhelming for you to kind of take that photo because it's just, you know, like, wow, look how far I've come. Then I wouldn't take the photo. I wouldn't. I just like, you know, keep the memory to myself. I like that. Yeah. I respect and I respect it. <laughs> um, so outside of photography, any other passions? Any other secret um, Instagram handles? You don't tell us the handles, but in, I, in I secret Instagram side projects. <laughs> I wish I had some more secret Instagram handles. I mostly like, you know, now because spending more time indoors, I've definitely been, you know, 
watching a lot of movies, especially horror, because I love horror movies in general. Like, that's my thing. But uh, not just that. I've been cooking a lot more. I baked banana bread like two weeks ago, and it did not taste bad. That was really cool. And, you know, just I haven't had a chance really to, like, officiate a ton of weddings. I was able to do one this year. Um, But I really enjoy officiating weddings. Like, that's fun to me. I think that's like a lot of fun. And do you mostly officiate people you, you know? Have you had any experiences officiating the wedding of strangers? I have not officiated weddings of strangers. Um, maybe, you know, one day. Um, I know people do it for like, you know, fun. Uh, do it for like, you know, to make money. Um, that's never a bad thing. But like right now, <clears throat> I just really like taking, like I really just like, officiating weddings of people I know, especially when you get to kind of like see that love story develop. I feel like it's really personal and sweet. So, yeah. Is that a, a hint? <laughs> what? Is that a hint? What do you mean? <laughs> like, are you uh, talking about me and Erica? <laughs> oh, yeah. Listen, I uh, if, if you want me- I feel like we've already talked about that. Listen, so. <laughs> I was speaking generally- but still, that would be an honor on my part. Like, I would love to do that. But it's just, like, very cool to see it from the beginning and, like, see where it goes and how it develops and how, like, like sweet and wonderful it is. And it ties kind of into the photography aspect of it, too. Because, like, you know, after the first wedding I've officiated was some friends that I knew from Barnes & Noble. And I saw that, like, from when they first started dating and to where I officiated their wedding until they had their like first kid and, you know, still friends with them. And it's really nice. And then did the same thing for my sister. And it's just, it's like, it's just really nice. You know, it's, it's nice to be part of people's lives and just, you know, all relationships on all levels are very, can be, can be very fickle and, um, have tension and separation, but mm-hmm. being part of the process and seeing, like you said, seeing love kind of blossom and evolve and last throughout everything. It's yeah. always a dope experience. It yeah. really is. It's really, it's like very cool. Like being able to, you know, take these people that you care about and go like, yeah, I'm going to marry you guys. And then actually doing it is just like you, it's something that you always get to be a part of without it being like, you know, the nosy weird friend is like the the friend that got us married. And then I think that's very cool. So uh, any words of advice for young future photographers? Um, yes. Use what you have, whether it be a camera phone, whether it be an Instax camera, disposable camera, use whatever you want to do, whatever you have to do. And don't be shy about, posting your stuff and don't feel, you know, don't feel like you're not making an impact because you're not getting like the kind of notoriety that some people get. You just got to do what you enjoy and do what's fun and do what you love. And on that note, I'd like to end this episode of the Live, Lift, Love podcast, PEDs, Positive and Enriching Discussions. I'm your host, Clifford Janice. You can find me on IG at Gold's Conditioning and you can find me on Twitter at Gold's Conditioning. Tatiki, you tell the people where they can find you. You can find me at TatianaPhoto.me 
photo spelled F-O-T-O. And I'm also on Instagram under the same name, Tatiana Photo. You can listen to the Live, Lift, Love podcast on SoundCloud, Google Play, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast, and YouTube. Be sure to like, subscribe, share, and if you visit the Live, Lift, Love podcast on the Gold Conditioner website, please be sure to leave a comment. Until next time, peace. You can say bye too if you want. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>